Well, it's great to see you all here today. And uh, I love baby dedications, baptisms, anything like that. I always feel like it's a special moment where you can mark that in your calendar and remember that on your journey with God. And uh, in fact, I wondered if we could just read that scripture from the baby dedication from Psalm 103, please. It says, but the steadfast love of the Lord, just read it if you want to, it's from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. I'm going to talk to you about the covenant today, but I want to ask you a question as you look at that scripture. Have you kept all of the commandments? Anyone here kept all of the commandments of the Bible? Right. So you're in the right place today because none of us are perfect. What is a covenant? How many of you understand this, first of all, that God is a faithful God? Amen. What he has said, he will do. He makes many promises to us, but he always keeps those promises. I don't know who here has had promises broken or has broken promises, but you know, when someone says they'll do something, they don't. It's horrible, isn't it? Even if they're an impressive person, right? You think differently about that person if they break their promises. But God never breaks his promises. If God said it, he will do it. In fact, he loves to fulfill his purposes. And so today I want to talk about God's covenants with an S on the end because there is an original covenant, but God renews it and it changes over time. And we live in the new covenant. If you have a Bible, you'll see it says the New Testament. The Old Testament is the same word. Covenant Testament means the same thing. But there's not simply one covenant in the new and one in the old. There's actually seven. don't know if you knew that. What is a covenant? Well, let me show you a scripture to kind of help you understand it a bit more. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So God is the one who initiates the promises and the covenant with mankind. God made us not so we could just be over there, but so that he could have relationship with us. And the way the Bible describes it is not always how we talk about it in church. Sometimes we say, I've got a personal relationship with Jesus, which is true, but there's more to it than that. See, God has a covenant with us, a partnership, okay? Now, if you ever have any kind of covenant, I mean, this is a good one here. This is, you, this is the language of marriage, believe it or not, when you look at the Second Corinthians scripture. He set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. The language there in the original is like wedding ring. God put his wedding ring. And so if he gives us the wedding ring, he will surely bring about them the wedding day, right? And so there's more to come. The covenant always signifies there's more to come. And in a covenant like marriage, for instance, there's two sides, right? 
there's the initiator and there's the other party as well and they've got to keep some commitments within that. Are you with me? Like a contract, vows, there's all kinds of language you could use but the word the Bible uses is covenant. Why does God make covenants? Because God wants to bless us. God made mankind not so that we could be his servants. Some religions say we're just servants of God. We're children of God if we're in the new covenant by faith in Jesus. But this is what God wants for us. We are to be his co-laborers, his co-heirs. Right? There's something, even though God is infinitely more than us, he comes down and he wants something with us, not something just from us. Are you with me? And so by understanding this, you'll understand why Jesus came to the earth. It's one of the main reasons why he came. Jesus came as the almighty God who became man to fulfill the human side of the covenant. Right, And I want to go through this as briefly as I can in the next 20 minutes or so. And then we're going to take communion, which represents the new covenant. But I want to go through the seven covenants as briefly as I can. Won't be able to go through everything. That's why you need to come to the Bible study on Wednesday. Okay. So, where does the covenant start? Where does God first initiate partnership with mankind? The Garden of Eden. Now, some people say, well, I don't believe in a literal Garden of Eden, but Jesus always spoke about it as if it was something that was real, right? And not some story. He always spoke about it as something that was real. And I believe we are too as well. So the Edenic covenant, the covenant made in the Garden of Eden, God blessed mankind and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Okay, I've given you everything, right? It says in the Psalms, God gives the the earth to the sons of man. We're made from the earth. We're made for the earth to inherit the earth. Are you with me? This world is ours, rightfully. There was only one clause. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just one thing. And it's a simple thing. Don't eat that, right? Because in the day that you do, you will surely die. Now, God had an enemy before this point. God had an enemy in heaven who he created, the greatest creation that he'd ever made, Lucifer, becoming Satan, the fallen one, appearing as a snake. And you might think, oh, do, I, do I really believe in a story of a talking snake? You've got to remember the Hebrew word is seraph, right? like seraphim, like an angel. So he becomes a something that's amazing and glorious. and right? He masquerades as an angel of light. Okay. And it's at that where it sells elsewhere in the Bible. And he says, you could eat this if you want to. God, God's, he's holding back from you. He's holding back. You know, you don't need to go God's way. You're missing out. You will not surely die. You'll become like God. The devil always does this, by the way. He always presents some things. If you do this, if you do drugs, if you do this, hey, you will have, you, you'll, you'll be there then, right? And God has said no to certain things. Do you understand? Not because he doesn't like us or he's a cosmic killjoy. It's because, yeah, he protects us 
right? And also, he knows what's best, and there has to be choice. We're not robots. The Bible from start to finish is a book of choice. Do you know that? Choice all the time. If you don't have options, if you don't have choice, you're just a robot. You're just on a program. You choose to love. You choose to to do, right? And so he comes. The best way I could describe it is like someone saying, you can live in this house. You can do whatever you like to this house. It's your house. You could renovate it. You can have people stay. But don't sell the house. Just one thing. Don't sell it. And they do the one thing. And in a sense, they sell the house to the devil. And you think, hang on, doesn't the world, the, the earth belong to God and mankind? Yes, but the devil gets a foothold through sin. He didn't have any ability into the world, into creation, you know, creation until this point. So it's not simply that they ate something they shouldn't have eaten. It's that they formed a rebellious partnership with evil. And as they held the hand of evil, they allowed darkness to come into the world, right? Death came. So it's, it's a big deal. And you think, well, if, it, if I was there, I wouldn't have done it. But the reality is you've all sinned. You all told me at the start. So don't say, don't say, you're calling me a sinner. You said it, man. You're so, yeah, guilty. All guilty. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned, no exceptions. So God revises the covenant, revises the covenant that should have been forever. They should have lived forever. But no, God revised the covenant with the Adamic covenant or the covenant of Adam with Adam. And so the stipulations or words spoken to the serpent, the devil, to woman or Eve, and then to Adam. I've already shared in this series on the first gospel. If you're a theologian, it's called the Proto-Evangelion. The first time the gospel is shared to the devil. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He, hang on, who's he? He, exactly. The seed of the woman. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. It's mysterious. But God prophesied to the devil, one day, the damage that you've done to the world, I will reverse it when the seed of the woman comes. You think, the seed of the woman, what's that mean? It's a man who was born without a human father, virgin birth. You see it? And he will bruise your heel, so he will, he will die, right? He will die. Jesus died with nails through his heels. But the day he died the day was the day that the devil was destroyed, the power of the devil. Are you with me? You see that even here when he speaks to woman, her part in the curse that was never meant to be there, childbearing, pain in childbirth, and all that area of life that's very important to women. Also power imbalance in relationships. Adam, he will return to the ground. He will have hard work. By the way, work is from God. Do you know that? Work is from God because work is there before sin and the curse came. And it was supposed to be glorious and good. Hebrew word for work is avodah. It's the same word for worship. Adam worshipped in the garden. 
who worked in the garden. It's only used a few times in temple service. You know, in the tabernacle, the men between the ages of 30 to 50 worked in the tabernacle, right? And their service in the temple, right? Priestly service in the temple is called avodah. And God said, work, right? And that's before the curse. But work is now cursed. Anyone had a job? It's not easy. Any job, right? It's not easy. But we're still called to work. What does it say that his work will be full of? Thorns and thistles. What did Jesus have put on his head? Thorns and thistles. All the things of the curse, the dust, the crown of thorns, the pierced heels, all of that, you see it on the cross. Feel the anointing today. You see it. Because Jesus took the curse to the cross and he nailed the curse to the cross. And he fulfills the law perfectly. Hallelujah. That's the Adamic covenant with the promise of salvation to come. And of course, that builds throughout the Bible. You see it very clearly in the picture of Noah, the Noadic covenant. God says he's going to destroy the earth. The earth is increasing with wickedness. Wickedness on every level. There's blood in the streets. No one is upholding justice, right? It's, it's chaos in the world. From Adam to Noah, you see it with Cain killing Abel and all kinds of those, those stories. And God says, warn them that judgment's coming. And Noah spends 120 years building the ark. And you think, 120 years? No one can live that long. Listen, God's a supernatural God. Hello? And... By the way, sin wasn't like it is in the world now, which has shortened people's lifespan, right? People could live for a long time in, in the book of Genesis, but that, that goes after this point. So he repeats the promise of the Edenic covenant, be fruitful and multiply. He says you can eat all of the vegetation. Also says you can eat animals as well here. Sorry, vegetarians. But the thing that's very, very clear within the Edenic covenant is a few things, okay? That God, when, when he puts the rainbow in the sky, he will never flood the earth again. It's his promise, right? Because it never rained before this point. Do you know that? It says that in the Bible. So every time it rained, Noah would have been freaking out <laughs> because he's thinking the flood's going to come. He says, no, no, I'll never flood the earth again. I'll, I want to build a picture for you for something here, okay? So God has restarted the world he had a 120 years of warning through Noah, right? No one listened. Only Noah's family and his sons and their wives come into the ark, right? Because you must be in Christ to be saved. You must be in the ark because he's the only thing that's going to go from this life to the next life. Everything else will be washed away, okay? The shedding of innocent blood. Jesus' blood was shed. You see the connection? But it says, do not shed blood, right? Because if someone sheds blood, murder, right? Their life will be required from them. Again, this is part of what Jesus took to the cross, the sin of mankind. Jesus said in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, the very end times, which I believe we're in, many signs point to that. Okay? It says it's going to be like the days of Noah. 
Matthew 24, it'll be like the day we live in a time of increasing wickedness. And I'm not Bible bashing and, and judging the world out there. It's just true. It's just things are getting crazy. People are doing crazy things. The shedding of innocent blood. I can't think of anything worse than abortion. And that's not to judge and condemn anyone here. And for some people here, that may be a scar for them. But over a hundred million children are dead. And that's just through the communist revolutions, let alone the rest of the world. You can't think of anything more innocent than a baby in the womb. It's done nothing. And they're dismembered in the womb and discarded like trash. It's evil. And like I said, the devil comes as an angel of light and said, it's good, it's helping the woman. It's not helping the woman. It's bringing her in bondage. And you can be free from that today. Increasing wickedness in the end times. We live in a time where people are worried that the world will be flooded. Do you know that? We're going to be flooded. We're going to be flooded. Global warming. And to an extent, I believe in it. But I think people are feeling the coming judgment. They know that the world is wicked. They know that the creator won't let it carry on forever. Do you see the connection, the days of Noah? All right, I'm going to push it now. And I'm going to get cancelled, and that's fine, because I don't belong to the world anyway. The rainbow is everywhere. But it's not God's rainbow. It has six colors, not seven. God made man on the sixth day, right? The devil's number is 666. God is 777. You fall from seven to six, you fall from glory, right? The sign of pride is everywhere. Pride. The devil fell from heaven through pride. Pride comes before a fall. Who's not to judge a particular people group. It's just to say the people are putting their fist up to God deliberately. Increasingly. And if you don't go with the agenda, then your life is in danger, just like Noah's family were. But God won't let it go on. And you've got to get in the ark. You've got to get in the ark. You've got to get in Jesus. Because one day, reset. And that's not, because like we said, we're all sinners. And it just comes in different ways. But once you've seen it, you can't agree with it anymore. Okay. Are you still with me? Anyone got any rocks they want to throw at me? No? Okay. And I'm saying it in love because you've got to speak the truth in love. Because God loves the world. God loves the world. God loves the world. And anyone can be saved. And I'm the worst sinner, just so you know. I'm the worst. Abrahamic covenant. Abraham, again, you see this picture of God picking a remnant people. Again, not going with everyone, but going, who's with me? And he finds a man called Abram. His name changes to Abraham. In Genesis 12, he calls him from his country, Mesopotamia, modern-day Iraq, to go and find the promised land, Israel. 
And he said, this is going to be your land. So Genesis 12, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and on him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How many times does it say blessed there? <laughs> right, a few times, right? God is a blesser. God wants to bless. He's a good God. And he wants to bless all the families of the earth. All the families of the earth have been blessed, by the way, through the influence of Christianity. Through the influence. Who's made more hospitals and adopted more children than Christians? We wouldn't have an NHS. We wouldn't have all these things if it wasn't for Christian influence. A lot of the things that people think, oh, it's always been there. No, it was Christians fighting for it. The abolition of slavery and all of these things. Do you understand? It doesn't automatically happen. There has to be a voice. And we've been that voice. We've not always got it right, but, we've, but the Judeo-Christian influence on the world is very important. So there's, there's kind of two ways you look at this. There's the land, of course, this, he's, he's very specific. I'm going to give you a land later on. says, to your offspring, I'll give this land. He shows you where it is by telling you, look, it's between this river, this river, this It's one day Israel, right? And by the way, the original Israel was a little bit bigger than modern day Israel. I know we've got some experts here. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to give you this land. We live in a time where people say, Oh, that land's nothing to do with the Jews. It's crazy talk. If you dig up the land, it's, it's Jewish stuff. It's the stars of David and stuff like that. And you know, before the turn of the 20th century, there's barely nothing there. Just barren land. No one, hardly anyone lived there. And now every country of the world talks about this little town, this country. This little it's been nothing's been fought over so much. Doesn't mean that Israel gets it all all right. They certainly don't. But to say it's nothing to do with them is crazy talk. Because Jesus lived there. Oh no Jews there. Hello, Jesus was a Jew and he lived in the <laughs> Nothing to do with the Jews. Okay, fine. But also there's a greater there's a greater dimension to the Abrahamic blessing, which is that we, through faith in Jesus, are children of Abraham as well. Who the blessing, the family connection to God, right, comes through Abraham. So there's two sides. There's, there's Israel, which will be restored. It's, Israel's not there yet, just so we know. It's not arrived at what it's meant to be and was created to be, but it will become in the future when they see Jesus, right? Even now, they have a right to live there, I believe. Just as anyone else does. They, you can live in Israel if you want to. Anyone can. Don't let anyone say they, they chuck people out and there's no one's allowed to live there. They are allowed to live there if you want to live in a Jewish nation. Very important for the end times, uh, the formation of Israel. But, but the Abrahamic blessing comes. Now, Genesis 15, just to summarize this. God said, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to make a covenant with you. How they would often make a covenant in the Old, in the Old Testament days was that they cut an animal open 
And then they hold hands and they walk through the animal. It's a little bit gross, isn't it? You're probably walking on intestines, all kinds of gross stuff, right? But what it's saying is, what, if one of us breaks this covenant, let what happened to this animal happen to me, right? And Abraham is having a bad night's sleep one night, and he sees a torch go through the animal. So God himself initiates and says, I'm going to keep the covenant. By himself, how does that work? Because there's got to be a human side to it. Because Jesus became a man. And Jesus died. And so if the covenant is broken, one of us has to die. Jesus walked through it himself before he became a man. See the connection? Genesis 15, look it up. Come to Bible study. All right. The Mosaic covenant. Are you still with me? We'll get the coffee trolley cart out in a bit if you need it. Because uh, this, is, this is big stuff, but this makes so much sense of the Bible and so much sense of Jesus, if you get this. The Mosaic Covenant, the covenant with Moses. By the way, in any covenant, there's always a mediator, right? A middle, middle man, so to say. There's always a covenant, and it always enters into the covenant through faith and obedience, right? That's how the... That's how faith comes about, and that's how the covenant comes about. So I can't go through the entire Mosaic covenant because it's all of Exodus chapter 19, 20, and 21. Also, the entire book of Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law, but it's, it's clarified 100% what the law is. And, uh, but I just want to read this paragraph to you in uh, Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, and keep my covenant, you should be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the people of Israel. So they have a covenant to come and say, we will serve the Lord. Part of that is that when God is giving the law, he writes the Ten Commandments in stone, on stone tablets which are cut out of the mountain and Moses brings them down the mountain. So there's the 300 or so commandments, sorry, 300 or so laws, but there's 10 commandments. Are you with me? 10 commandments. You've heard of that before. So the 10 commandments, are just if I could just read them through, I don't know if it's going to be possible. I'll just summarize what they are. So you should have no other gods before me, number one, right? Number two, no graven or carved images, like statues, that kind of thing. Three, you shall not take the, the name of the Lord in vain, so blasphemy. Also saying you're a prophet of Yahweh, but you're not a prophet, that's also taking the name of the Lord in vain. So there's different ways you can look at that. Fourth, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Okay. Now this is one of the only commandments that's not repeated explicitly in the New Testament. Um. All of the other nine are, but it says in Hebrews that we enter into as the Sabbath day rest. So we don't have a commandment that every Saturday you don't work, otherwise you get stoned. Right? We don't have that commandment. <laughs> okay, so just, just so you're aware of that. But the Sabbath day, and by the way, it's good to practice Sabbath. I'm not going to say well, this is the law and this is, because all of this, the Ten Commandments and the law are for the people of Israel. Right, and they're spiritual and they, they enlighten us. So it's good to have one day a week where you don't work. 
very, very good. The Jewish way is from Friday night to Saturday night. No work. If you can do that every week, get all your laundry done, all your food done, and have one day off a week, you will feel the benefit. It works really well. That's where we get the weekends from, by the way, because we had Christians living here and Jews. So we said, we're going to have a Jewish Saturday or a Christian Lord's Day. I will just do both, have a two-day weekend. That's where the weekend came from. So I'm glad of this law, all right? All right. Five, honor your mother and father, okay? And it comes with a promise that your days may be long. Six, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not bear false witness. It's like lying in court, for example. Ten, you shall not covet your neighbor's possessions, their family, and so on. Um, Covetings like jealousy, envy, which is strictly forbidden in the Bible. So you might say, I'm doing pretty good, Sam, because I've not killed anyone. And I've not committed adultery. What did Jesus say? If you hate someone, you're a murderer in your heart. If you look with lust, you've committed adultery already. So you think, oh, I'm, right. I'm, not, I'm not broken those. You think you haven't, but you have, according to Jesus. And his, the law of Christ is higher, right? The law of Christ is more superior. So we're all in need of grace. You might think, why did God give so many laws? It's to highlight. Well, first of all, it's to govern a society well, which it did, right? Do you know, I just want to say this, 150 years ago, people would give, they would have children in a hospital, right? A doc, we've got a lot of doctors here. They'd deliver a baby in one room, and then they'd look at a deceased patient in the other room, and then they'd go back to the delivery room and without washing their hands. In this country, 150 years ago, what does the Torah say? Do not go near a dead body. We use water to clean your hands. There's logic. People are like, I don't like the book of Leviticus. Hello, we'd all be dead from smallpox if we didn't do these things. You understand? Like, so, yeah, so there's logic behind the things that are here. And it works for the people of Israel. Okay. They missed out on shellfish. All right. And a few things like that. But you shouldn't eat shellfish in the middle of a desert anyway. I'm just saying. It will be an abomination to your stomach. I promise you that. So there is logic in these things, and there's a distinction between like ceremonial laws, food laws, and then the moral commandments, which are the nine, well, the ten really, if you think we should obey the Sabbath in terms of peace with God, right? All right. There's so much I could go into, but I'll, I'll, I'll behave and I'll, I'll stay on track. So that's the Mosaic Covenant. It highlights the sinfulness, Right, It highlights the wickedness, highlights that no one's perfect, no one can keep these, and so you need Jesus. Jesus came as a Jew under the law, fulfilled the law, right, and his righteousness is accredited to us through faith. Right? Covenant of Moses. So when you pick up the Bible, it says, it says I shouldn't every year have an argument with someone about Christmas trees. It says in the Bible you shouldn't have a Christmas tree, and I'm like, haven't you got a tattoo? Uh, yeah. Don't you eat pork? Um, yeah, like, don't put a law on me and not obey the whole law. Do you understand? And that's what it says in the. So be careful when you're throwing out Bible verses out of context because the early church, when deciding which laws to follow, went back to the Noahic covenant in the book of Acts. Have you seen that? The Council of Jerusalem. They say, which laws are the Gentiles going to have? 
No, nothing strangled to animals and, and keep away from sexual immorality. Just two, just two. Not all of the 300 or so laws. Are you with me? I'm nearly there. Come on. Davidic covenant. Are you with me? Second Samuel chapter 7. King David, right, ruling and reigning from Jerusalem, which he's now taken. It was Salem. He made it Jerusalem. The prophet Nathan comes to him in 2 Samuel and says, you will have, one of your descendants will be on the throne forever. One of your descendants will always, and if you go through the, the kingly line of David, right, David, Solomon, so on, there's always a, one of David's sons ruling on the throne. All the way to Jesus. By the way, Jesus is a descendant of David through Mary and Joseph. If you read Matthew and Luke together. And you think, well, where's, where's the king on the throne now over God's people? Well, Jesus is seated in heaven. So Jesus is the son of David, the messianic king, on the throne, reigning from heaven. So that's how he fulfills it. And I've just got on the screen David's response to the, the words of Nathan. And he says, So therefore may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you. Right? Forever. Where is it now on the earth? It's not on the earth, it's in heaven. That's the, that's the Davidic covenant. But then from this point, the prophets start to see a new covenant is coming. So Jeremiah 31 is one of the, first, one of the times where the new covenant is spoken about. Um, it says, but this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put their, my law in their minds. I'll write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall know me, it says, right? So God spoke of a day when no longer are you going to look at the law and the Torah and say, I can't keep that. I can't do that. But God would actually put his law in our hearts and change our desires to keep being obedient. You know, when you became a Christian, your desires changed, right? Part of the new covenant. Also, Ezekiel 36, not only will he put his law in our minds and our hearts, but he will put his spirit within us and he will cause us to walk in his statutes. That's Ezekiel chapter 36. So in the new covenant age, which is to come, the human heart will be changed. Reading on to the new covenant, which we live in, the new covenant, Luke 22, verse 20, Jesus brings about the new covenant. And he spoke of it when he gave the Last Supper, the communion emblems. And he took what was called the cup of victory and said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This is the new covenant. How does the covenant come to us? Jesus fulfills the human side of the covenant. He sheds his blood for many, right? He comes because the, to be, the covenant to be kept with God requires perfection. 100% perfection. Only Jesus fulfills that. Do you understand? So the new covenant is in his blood through his death, the shedding of his blood. That is how the new covenant comes to us. That is the only way the temple can be cleansed and the spirit can live within. You see all these connections? It's powerful, isn't it? First Corinthians 15. I just want to, we're nearly there. So First Corinthians 15. You'll see here, 
in these various scriptures the connection between the previous covenants. So, for as for as death, <clears throat> sorry, for as by a man de- came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all should be made alive. Okay, so that's the fulfillment of the Adamic covenant. For he must reign. This is reading on in First Corinthians chapter 15. For he must reign until he's put all his enemies at his feet. David was called to reign until all his enemies are put at his feet. Jesus reigns from heaven and his enemies of death, sickness, the devil are being subject to his feet. Are you with me? Galatians 3. It speaks about why the law was given. And it says that righteousness was not possible through the law. And it actually imprisoned us so that actually until to be righteous before God, we'd need a savior by faith in Jesus. Right? By faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So the blessings of the covenant come to us who believe. Right? It's faith and not works. It's never been about works. It's through faith. Later on in Galatians, it talks about how we're children of Abraham through Jesus. And then 1 Timothy 2, it says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Right? Jesus is God and man, isn't he? Yes, but in the covenant, in the mediating of the covenant, he is the man, the perfect man. Amen. And just to land on that scripture we read earlier, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through the hymn, the amen is spoken by us, right? We agree with God what God has done and we receive it by agreeing and having faith in Jesus, right? Jesus said in John 14, believe in God, believe also in me. So you have got to believe just like they had to trust in Moses and trust in David. You must trust in the Father and you must trust the Son, right? So through him, the amen is spoken. Now it's God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. Put his spirit in our hearts. Heard that somewhere before? Put his spirits in our hearts as a a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Listen, we live in the covenant now, but he will fulfill the covenant one day when he comes again. We have received the wedding ring. We've received the down payment, the dowry, whatever you want to call it. But there's more to come. And so we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for you are a faithful God. You have spoken time and time again through your word. We thank you for your covenants, Lord, that you yourself have fulfilled on our behalf. And Lord, as we stand in connection with you, we stand in Christ with you, we receive all of the blessings that you have for us, the blessing of salvation. We thank you that it's because of the cross and the resurrection that the Spirit can live in us. Amen. And for those here today who say, I'm not sure about this whole Jesus thing, listen. Jesus is calling you. I'm reading from a book today that isn't simply just a book. I heard someone say, I don't trust a a book that's been written by man. Listen, every book's been written by man. Hello. (laughs) 
but it's inspired by God. And I hope today you've seen some of the inspiration between the most hyperlinked book that's ever been written, as Jordan Peterson once said, the most hyperlinked book, the connections broken forth. But we're going to come around. If you know and love the Lord Jesus or you're responding to him today, we're going to come around the Lord's table and we're going to remember the body that was broken for us and we're going to remember the blood that was shed, which is the new covenant. So I'm just going to encourage you right now, if you're able to, to stand to your feet.